Hello. <laughs> the, the doctrine of salvation is based on the fact that a dead man lives again. That a dead man resurrected. And we have to believe that. If we don't believe that, we're not going to be saved. And we believe that Jesus died for our sin and rose over the victory over the grave, we would have eternal life. But when we got back to the book of Genesis, we just forget everything we ever learned. We act like because somebody doubts Genesis that, that I'm not supposed to be strong and feel positive about the way that uh, I see the book of Genesis. But I tell you something, you can, I can show you four passages this morning, and I will, that if you believe them, then you will completely understand the problems with man, mankind, how we got in this position, and what the heck we're going to do about it. Okay? And so the first thing that it's very easy to say, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, I have been hearing about evolution ever since the day I got born. The Scopes Monkey Trials and all were just a few years back before I was born, but uh, I have heard of evolution all my life. You know they're no closer to proving it than they, I'm 73 years old, and they're no closer to proving it than, uh, than when they started. In fact, everything they find out backs up creation. It backs up creation. And they finally got to this thing where they said, oh, well, it was just a big boom. It sure was. God opened his mouth and said, let there be an earth. Let there be space. And it was. Okay, now, let, let's just do this as if uh, you, you honestly uh, believe it to be so. We'll, we'll deal with the doomsday and the naysayers a little later on. But in uh, Genesis chapter 5, it says, This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created him, he made him in his likeness. He created them male and female and blessed them. Excuse me. Don't take care of that, Mr. Roberson. You don't have to put your shoes on. <laughs> and uh, so just take, take that on face value. Right now, just take it on. This sweet lady brought me something. Thank you, thank you. Is that a diaper? I'm sorry, guys. This, this getting old didn't—I wasn't counting on. And uh, if, in fact, God made it all, God owns it all, God runs it all, then what we do from there on is to see how God. Thank you. Thank you. I take the whole box. 
Now, my point in all of this is simply this. This is how we got here. We didn't develop from a monkey. We didn't come from an ape. We were made by the hand of God in the image of God. And one of the problems that people have so much trouble with is the fact that they degrade themselves when they accept evolution. We believe in mutation. We believe in mutation. I'll get to it in a, in a minute. Uh, but first of all, we don't believe in evolution. God just didn't gradually put this thing together over thousands and thousands of thousands. Or he just didn't. The dumbest thing is to think that it accidentally happened. I mean, it's just, it, it's just stupid to think that... It, I heard this one time. The chance of all of this just happening is exactly the same as an explosion in a print shop would make a Webster's Dictionary. I mean, the words, the letters would have to fall just absolutely perfect for it to be a dictionary. Well, that didn't happen. Well, what we see on earth just didn't accidentally happen. So the first thing is, how did we get here? We got here by God's creation. And uh, then the next thing we want to look at is uh, the, uh, the sin that got us in the shape we're in now. You see, God has always intended for us to live in paradise. When he made Adam and Eve, where did he put them? A beautiful garden. And even when he's talking to the sheep on the right hand, he said, enter into the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. God has always intended for us to live heavenly living. But Satan hated that. It didn't, it didn't match his agenda, so he came and he lied to Adam and Eve. And they chose to follow their own way rather than God's way. And by the way, that's really what sin is. Sin's just rebellion against God. It's, God, I don't care what you say, I don't care what you do, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And as many of us as are living that way, we don't realize that that selfish living, that self-centered living is totally against and away from the Word of God and the joy that we would gain if we just do it God's way. I had the funniest thing happen to me this week. Uh, I'd gone into the grocery store. Uh, well, I tried to buy gas and the pump wouldn't work. So I went in, gave the lady, uh, it was for a gas can, I gave the lady uh, $10, that gives you two gallons of gas, <laughs> and uh, so I just needed some gas for the lawnmower. But anyway, it didn't work. So I went inside, and I decided I was going to get me this little steak and eat it for my dinner. Everybody's on their own at my house come dinner time. But uh, anyway, uh, I was going to do that. And so, but she said, now go on and pump so you can move your car. So I laid the steak down on the counter and ran outside and pumped the gas, moved my car. And while I was doing that, a young man came out just grinning from ear to ear. He had my steak in his hand. 
He had purchased it for me. This guy gets off of a, of a tow truck as a helper. He wasn't even a driver. He was the helper on the tow truck. And he paid $14 for my steak. I said, man, I got money. Let me, let me pay you back. I wouldn't. That grin that was on that kid's face was absolutely worth everything. It took me a second to realize that I wasn't the one getting blessed. It just thrilled his soul to do that. It's called random kindness, just random acts of kindness. And I just couldn't believe it. That little fella just grinned, and he was so proud of himself. I was too. I was too. That little kid you would have thought probably had much character, you know? He had a lot of character. He cared about other people. Amen. He cared. And I, I had plenty of money to buy the meat with. I just needed to run outside and pump the gas and get out of the way so they could use their gas pumps. But he took care of it for me. He just wanted to be a blessing and get a blessing. And you see what Satan's talked us into is just living a selfish, self-existent life. It's all about me, all about me, all about me. That's not the way God created us. That's the way Satan tricked us. He said, did God say if you ate this fruit, you were going to die? She said he sure did and said if we touch it, we're going to die too. God didn't say touch it. He didn't say anything about touching the fruit. He just said eating the fruit. But <coughs> when Satan was able to put the piece of fruit in Eve's hand, and Eve looked at it, and it was good for food. It was good. Uh, it tasted good. It was beautiful to the eyes. Oh, and it made me smart as God. It made me smart as God. That's what. But you know what? He said, God's holding out on you. You can eat out of every tree, but that one tree, you don't eat out. Of. He said, Satan said, but I'm telling you, if you eat out of it, you'll be as smart as God. And that's what most people want to be anyways, God of their own lives. They don't want to be surrendered to the God of God. Well, God's a creator, and God blessed us with this beautiful world he created, but sin messed it up. The verse I use at funerals, Revelation 22, 3, and it says, there, talking about heaven, there is no more curse. See, the world we live in is bad broken. And we cry and moan and holler and carry on about it being broken. But it's going to be broken. Because sin and sin's consequences was turned loose on the earth when Adam and Eve decided they didn't want to do what God wanted to do. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. And we've all followed suit with that. Life's about me. I want what I want. And that's the nature of sin. Sin is very selfish, and it's like, so man got here by God's creation. Man lost his original state through sin, 
And so there's to follow a punishment. And that was the flood. Now, if you'll turn with me, uh, Genesis 7, I think. Yes. Uh, then uh, it, it's important if you get a chance to go to the ark in Kentucky. It's, if you get a chance, go to the ark that the guy built, Ham, uh, uh, Ken Ham built in, in <coughs> he did it as best he can understand exactly the way God told him to build it, the way he told, told Noah to build it. So out in the middle of nowhere, sitting on a hill in Kentucky, is an ark. And it is designed so that as you walk through it, you see that that was actually possible. They actually had that figured out. Do you know they had a septic system on the ark? A septic system. Because they had a lot of animals on there. And about half that thing was filled with food. The other half could have been filled with uh, leftover, but they had a way to treat the, uh, the water, their wastewater, without it getting into the ocean. It's crazy. It's the whole thing. Go see it. It's beautiful, but there's one thing you'll end up understanding. God didn't take two of every animal. He took two of every kind of animal. There were just two wolves on the ark, and all our dogs are mutations of those two dogs, those two wolves. Now, listen to me carefully. You take anything 6,000 years ago and just turn it loose and let it reproduce. It stays in the area. Its children stays in the area. And after a while, the mutations take place. Plus, men help, too. I mean, we had, uh, we had, we had to change bulls on the farm every two years because we were raising calves, and that was the calf's daddy. And you can uh, do that one time. After that, you don't do it anymore. So we'd have to, right, every two years, we'd have to get a new bull because you did not want the herd to mutate into something bad. And they can when, they, when the same family just starts going over and over and over again. So what God did is God put all of the animals on the ark, two of every kind of animal. And Ken Ham shows, and I believe it to be so, uh, because they are archaeological finds, that dinosaurs were on the ark. They were on the ark. Probably babies, probably small, and they may have lived after the flood thousands of years. We don't know how many, but the climate changed. And when the climate changed, it did away with cold-blooded animals that couldn't find some place to hide. And if you weigh 70 tons, a hiding place is a little hard to come by. So uh, the climate changed because of the flood. The waters of the windows of heaven fell and so opened and so forth. But anyway, all of what's left, we don't know what the pre-flood world was really like. We didn't live there. We know they had giant plants. 
they had giant animals, they had giant people, and they had regular peoples. But God took the, the Noah whom he trusted, God took Noah and his family, two of every other kind of animal, and it's been 6,000 years or so since then. And so all this mutation has taken place. So there's a third uh, aspect of this whole thing, and uh, that has to do after the ark. It has to do with the Tower of Babel. All the people got off the ark. Several hundred years passed. They were all one kind people, one kind of tongue. But they said, you know what? Flood may happen again. So we need to build us a tower that stretches into the heavens so that we can save ourselves if another flood comes. Well, the first thing, God said it wouldn't be another flood. And the second thing is, even if it was, you didn't save yourself because didn't anybody else save yourself the first time. And so uh, I'm, I'm telling you that uh, that is the answer for how so many of these people got here. So we get to the Tower of Babel. And God said, nah, you're not going to save yourself. You can't. And you're not going to come up in the heavens. You can't. How are you going to build a building to the third heaven? Can't do that anyway, but they would do it. So God comes down, and he confounds their speech. They cannot talk to each other. So those that could talk to each other, what did they do? They moved away and formed a little people group all by themselves. And that people group uh, reproduced and reproduced and reproduced. Now remember, they all kin to each other to begin with. And because uh, how many, all of us, by the way, came from Adam and Noah. And I have heard, seen some studies less than 8% of our DNA is different from each other. Even the cross races. Why would our DNA be so similar? Had the same background, had the same heritage. But if you go off in people groups over thousands of years, people take on certain mutations that their community had. Dark eyes, dark hair, dark skin is predominant. Most of the world is darker than we are. Okay? Because it was one of the mutations that was the strongest in the gene pool. Uh, and so, see, we didn't, we didn't even care about the rest of the world. We cared about Western civilization. And we were just walking along, minding our own business, enjoying Western civilization, and all of a sudden, it ain't there no more. Uh, we have a mixed society made out of every race and tongue on the planet are here now. There's a lady in Liberty Harbor that stands up and does something like that and says at the bottom, give us your poor, give us your downtrodden, give us what. Well, they came. They came. And what we have now, and we've always had people say, this used to be a Christian nation. It's never been a Christian nation. It's always been a republic, a republic. 
we vote for those to represent us. Those in Washington won the election. Maybe, I mean. But, but what I'm telling you is the votes get people in place. They are our representatives. And because they are our representatives, we voted for them based on what we knew of them so that they could represent my values in Nashville or Washington or, or wherever. Guess what? There's a whole lot of people in this world that don't think like I do. There's a whole, and that's why when election time comes around, oh Lord, vote. Vote, vote, vote. That's not voting's big sin in my mind. I mean, I, I chase it down and vote, and vote. If I don't get there early, I'll be there. I'll be there in that line, 7 o'clock at night, like everybody else, waiting to get through. But I'm going to vote because we have the opportunity to change the course of the country, but it depends on how the righteous vote. Depends on how the righteous vote. And so a no vote, or, or to refuse to vote, is a slap in the face to the system that we want we have to live by. So I'm just telling you to to get ready for that. So you see, I would love to have a wolf up here that would, was not biting, and a chihuahua dog. You know, they're the same animal. Just over years and years and years and years of crossbreeding. One's still a big dog and one's a little dog. I got three at the house now. My wife would never let me have, never let any of us have a dog in the house. All the grandchildren can have 15 or 20. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> and so I got, I got this black Labrador and he got little hair on him about like that. And when you vacuum the floor, you dump an entire tank of black hair out of it. And dog don't even look like he's shedding. And then there's a, I don't know what the other one is, kind of a gorky or something. But we got this little labradoodle that came this last week. And you know what? He's easy to house train. You open the door, the other, th the other two dogs go flying out the door. That labradoodle thinks he's supposed to go too. And what do you do when you get outside? Just look at the other dogs. <laughs> it so why are people, why, why do people look strange? I, I mean, I don't look strange, but <laughs> why do we look strange? Because years and years and years and years after the flood, we basically lived as a people group. Mine were from Western Europe, and they came to this country. And they went the same route everybody else did. Came into the Carolinas, across the Kentucky area, and in Texas and Missouri. They just kept going. And so what I'm saying is I've got close relatives that I've never seen or known. Because we're all scared. So wherever they took those genes, they got some more Latimers. And so they're everywhere. But... What I needed to share with you 
there were three things. God made us. Sin ruined it. It was punished by the flood. And now we move over to the Tower of Babel. And there God separated by speech. And so I wondered for years, what about color? Where'd color come from? I mean, I'm not a white guy. It's kind of cracker color. And uh, so anyway, uh, the, uh, the whole deal is we got what we got by the people groups we settled into after the Tower of Babel. And everything, and so we're all, you know, there's, there's only one race of people on the planet. That's the human race. And only two kinds of them, Christian and non-Christian. Huh? And I'm to accept the Christians and love them as my brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, and I am to judge no man just based on his skin color. He just got raised in a different part of the world. And uh, so what I wanted to help you understand, if, if you really pay attention, creation, the fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel, gets us to where we are right now. We had not got out of chapter 11 of the book of Genesis, but in those 11 chapters, it explains to us how we got here, why we fell from what we were created to be, uh, the punishment of the rotten people that lived at the time was the flood, and all of us since the flood, since the Tower of Babel, we've been scattered out over the face of the earth not because of color, because of language. What happens when the same people speak the same language, stay in one place 3,000 years? They all look alike. Skin color changes over time. It's not because of, of uh, evolution. That's not happening. They, I'm telling you guys, when I was back in school in, you know, the 60s, we were expecting any day to find proof that there was uh, this missing species. You know, the, the man with a short tail or a, or, a, or a monkey with no tail or something like that. They hadn't found it. I tell you, I'm 73 years old. They hadn't found it. You know why? It ain't out there. It's not there. And uh, so anyway, I wanted you to live with those four understandings. How we got here, why we failed, the judgment, and the entire battle. Let's pray. Father, it's critical. It's, it amazes me. It simply amazes me that we can accept the resurrection and stumble in Genesis. If God can raise a man from the dead, he can do anything he wants to do. And God is God, and God chose to make it out of nothing. Exilio, God spoke it into existence. We can be thankful for that. And we can be grateful that I have personally come to a new place in my life 
where I know God is always going to do the appropriate thing at the opportune time. And I can live with that because he's a lot smarter than me and he loves me more than I think I love myself. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God may have spoken to you some way this morning. You may want to come for prayer. You may want to express uh, a prayer.